The Old Testament prophecy, Hebrew Bible prophecy, today comes from the book of Isaiah, the 64th chapter, starting at the first verse. Oh, that you would tear open the heavens and come down so that the mountains would quake at your presence. As when fire kindles brushwood and the fire causes water to boil, to make your name known to your adversaries, so that the nations might tremble at your presence. When you did awesome deeds that we did not expect, you came down. The mountains quaked at your presence. From ages past, no one has heard, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God beside you who works for those who wait for him. You meet those who gladly do right, those who remember you in your ways. But you were angry and we sinned because you hid yourself. We transgressed. We have all become like one who is unclean and all our righteous deeds are like a filthy cloth. We all fade like a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, take us away. There is no one who calls on your name or attempts to take hold of you, for you have hidden your face from us and delivered us into the hand of our iniquity. Yet, O Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay, and you are the potter. We are are all the work of your hand. Do not be exceedingly angry, O Lord, and do not remember iniquity forever. Now consider, we are all your people. Mark 13, 24 through 37 says this. But in those days after that suffering, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light and the stars will be falling from the heaven and the powers in heaven will be shaken. Oh, thanks. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. And then he will send out the angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven. From from the fig tree, learn its lesson. As soon as its branch becomes tender and puts forth leaves, you know that summer is near. So So also when you see these things taking place, you know that God is near at the very gates. Truly I tell you, this generation will not pass away until all things have taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But about that day or hour, no one knows, neither the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. Beware. Keep alert. For you do not know when when the time will come. It is like a man going on a journey. When he leaves his home and puts his slaves in charge, each with his work and commands the doorkeeper to be on watch. Therefore, keep awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come. In the evening or at midnight or at cockcrow or at dawn. Or else he may find you asleep when he comes suddenly. And what I say to you, I say to all, keep awake, 
Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I don't know if you've heard, but the college football world is in a tizzy right now. The first place team lost to the eighth place team, and the second second place team beat the third place team, and something happened with Iowa and Michigan, and I don't even know what that was, and it's all very exciting, and now they're trying to figure out how to rank these people so they can be in a national championship. I think... Given all the variables, then, Penn State should be first. I heard an amen. Somebody said amen. Did you hear it? You know, in football, there's this thing called the two-minute warning. None of these games came down to the two-minute warning, but it's kind of a big deal. It used to be like the seventh-inning stretch in baseball where if your team was losing terribly, you could just get up, stretch yourself, and leave early. If your team is winning, they put up a better defense to keep winning, right? And if your team is losing, they pull out every trick play they have to try to pull it out in the last two minutes and win the game. That's a two-minute warning. Well, a pastor named Russell Levinson suggests that what we ought to be talking about this morning is something like a two-minute warning. Where Christ's return is that urgent. You've got to get it done. He also suggests that perhaps... Another good metaphor is the last dance. If you're at a wedding or at a dance place and they call for the last one, there's some urgency that you've got to get that last, very last dance in. For those of you who are a little more entertained, perhaps a better metaphor is the last call. Get your last drink in before you go home. There's an urgency to that because you know that it will dry up and there won't be any more. This is Advent, a time where there should be some urgency to things. The word Advent comes from the Latin word Adventus, meaning coming. Right? So what's coming is not just the baby Jesus, the incarnate God that we wait for at Christmas time, but also at Advent, we're supposed to remember that Christ has promised to come again, to return here to earth. And we, as Christian followers, are to await Christ's coming. It's a two-minute warning for us. Get your head in the games, people. <laughs> The lesson for Mark is about the return of Jesus. It's about that second coming of Christ to bring final judgment on humanity, to usher in a final revelation of the kingdom of God. Do you know these people who talk about end times all the time? They will make you tired.
People who predict that Jesus is coming back on May the 4th. And then when he doesn't come on May the 4th, correct themselves and say, maybe it's October 18th. I once bought... Remember, remember when we had better tabloids in the stores than we do now? Now we have like normal things like cooking things or whatever. But we used to have crazy things like the... Uh, what was it called? The uh, yeah, all of those. Yeah, we used to have all of those, and they frequently have something about Jesus. You know, right next to the monkey boy or the mermaid girl, they'd have something crazy about Jesus coming back again and when it was going to happen. And so I was preaching about end times once, and I bought one of those newspapers, and it was in my congregation where I had two retired pastors who worshipped there every week. And they were usually very supportive. But when I did that, one of them came up and said, I am so disappointed in you. And I was like, what? What did I do? And he said, I can't believe you spent your money on one of them things. You know, they don't usually amount to much, but they're there. We are interested somehow in this prediction of when Jesus will come back. It's a long-standing theme in Judeo-Christian Text, the old prophet, the Old Testament prophets, the Gospels, the Epistles, the books of Daniel and Revelation for sure, all point to a kind of cataclysmic day when the world as we know it will pass away and the perfect kingdom of God will be ushered in. But if you've listened to me before, you know my concern about this. And this lesson makes it very clear. But about that that day or hour, no one knows. No one knows. It's not May 6th. Might be, but I don't know, and neither do you, and neither do those crazies talking about it. That day or hour, no one knows. Neither the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. So why does Jesus bother even to bring it up? Because even he doesn't know. He's very clear. Be alert. Keep awake. For you don't know the time when it will come. It's like a man going on a journey when he leaves home and puts his slaves in charge, each with his work and commands and a doorkeeper to be on watch. Keep awake. For many, those words prompt fear. But they're not intended to. They're intended to be more like the two-minute warning that says, the game's not over yet. Get your head in the game. Get ready to play. This is the most urgent part. Jesus is trying to prod us into our duty as servants. Take care of the house when the master's away. And when the master returns, whether today or a thousand years from now or a million years from now or whenever it will be, make sure that the master is pleased 
with the good stewardship we lived out. Jesus calls you and me to something big here. If this, wor- if, if this world, our lives, are gifts of God entrusted to us, then simply it matters deeply to God that we believe in him and obey him. That we proclaim him in word and deed. It matters that we take seriously the call to follow Jesus. Because that was the core of Jesus' teaching. It matters how we treat this world of ours because God calls us to care for creation. And it matters deeply. It matters deeply how we treat one another. How we live with our families and our spouses and our children and our friends. How we care for our colleagues and workmates. How we treat the widow and the orphan, the stranger, the hungry, the homeless, the lonely. (laughs) The two-minute warnings we find throughout Scripture tell us that these things matter very much to God. This means that we should live in what might be called the heavenly way. C.S. Lewis once said, Aim at heaven and you get earth thrown in. Aim at earth and in the end you get nothing. When we aim only at earth, when all I am is wrapped up in myself and my world and my issues and my needs, I've lost all of Christ's meaning. But when we aim at heaven, life here takes on a different meaning. We begin to see ourselves as servants of God, preparing for his return. We live in an awareness, perhaps even a constant awareness, that each minute is an opportunity, a gift to receive, to give, to live in a way that says, I believe in more than just what I see here on earth. I believe there's something bigger. Someone bigger, more powerful than any darkness we humans can devise. It says, I believe that someone is Jesus, and Jesus has come. Jesus is here, and Jesus is coming again. Jesus' teaching on this point has much more to do with how we live than when this will happen. I feel certain that the second coming of Christ is not designed as a way of jerking the carpet from out from underneath us. But that Jesus holds this before us as a a reminder of who we are called to be. And how we are to live in relationship with God and one another. We Christians, you know, are not called to be successful We're called to be faithful. The call of Jesus is not perfect. It is not even to have success as the world measures it. It is instead to be faithful, to live in a heavenly way in all times, whether they be end times or not. All Christ asks of us is that we let him come. Let Advent happen. 
in our hearts, and in doing so, we are empowered to live with our God, our world, our fellow human beings in a way that will not cause us to be afraid or worried or even surprised at the Master's return. But instead, we are to be overjoyed at the Master's return. Have you all seen that commercial? They play it a lot at this time of year where the little kid wanders away from his parents at the concert hall and he ends up at the piano seated in the concert hall playing with two fingers chopsticks. Can you even play chopsticks? Can you even play chopsticks? Yeah. Thank you. I guarantee you that's the only time any organ player has ever gotten applause for chopsticks. (laughs) The little kid plays chopsticks. He starts to play, and people in the audience, you can see them, start to get uncomfortable, and they start to whisper to one another, and his parents are mortified. The mother's poking the dad, going, Go get him out of there. And the master... The master who's there for all to hear play this grand, glorious piano comes out behind the kid and plays all the accompanying to his chopsticks. And it's glorious. And while he plays, he leans over and whispers in the kid's ear, Don't stop. Keep going. Keep playing. You're doing great. And a place breaks out in wild applause when they finish. That, my friend, is a metaphor for Jesus hanging over our ears saying, don't stop, keep going, keep playing. I'm right behind you. Live in a heavenly way. As the dawn of Advent breaks once again, as we turn our hearts toward the coming of Jesus, may we pause, take a deep breath, and aim at heaven. Can we perhaps commit ourselves again to the hope that Christ, with Christ, in Christ, life makes sense, even in the darkest time. By God's grace, may it be this Advent season that our eyes are open to wonderful hope and joy for us in the coming of Christ. He has come. And his two-minute warning is merely a reminder to live knowing that Christ is here, whispering in our ears, Don't quit. I'm here. Keep playing. I love you. I'm right here.
Amen.